GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, about 20 questions were asked by Reeves and councillors yesterday during the Cabinet Bear Pit session at the SARM Annual Convention in Saskatoon. I will have a couple of segments on today's program talking about some of the major issues that were discussed there. SARM President Ray Orb says record provincial revenue sharing funds will be put to good use. Of course, that announcement made yesterday at the SARM convention. He will tell us about his thoughts on that huge money funding issue there. And Sylvain Charlebois says the federal government needs to use a carrot to encourage farmers into the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. He was a guest speaker at the SARM annual convention this week in Saskatoon. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Demand GX94, AgriView. The Ice Futures canola market has been in free fall mode through the first half of March, hitting its weakest levels in over a year. While the losses may be looking overdone, the bottom remains to be seen. Bruce Burnett, the Director of Markets and Weather with Markets Farm, says we have a lot of money playing around in canola right now, noting much of the latest weakness was tied to speculators adding to short positions. He says the funds are looking for things they think are overvalued, and they've determined that canola is overvalued. However, Burnett notes canola futures are now trading at a discount to Chicago soybeans, which would imply canola should be due for a correction, as the Canadian oil seed typically trades at a premium. A major dealer of John Deere equipment in Manitoba is extending its catchment in the province's west to include a long-established deer shop. Winnipeg-based Enns Brothers announced Friday it has a deal in place to buy the assets of S.H. Dayton Limited, a deer equipment dealership at Shoal Lake. The deal was expected to close yesterday. Founded at Newdale in 1961, S.H. Dayton opened its current and Show Lake site in 1979 and has been owned since 1994 by Keith Martin, Peter Baydak, and Calvin Harrison, who jointly purchased it from Jim Dayton. Martin, Baydak, and Harrison have decided not to continue in their current roles. Longtime Dayton staffers Dale Martin and Craig Geeky will manage the Show Lake operation. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau drew applause from delegates attending the Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference in Calgary this week as she acknowledged their efforts for paving her path into politics. Bibeau told delegates attending the 10th Annual Conference she's never felt like she's had to fight for a spot at the political table because of work done by women who have gone before her. She advised women not to wait to be asked to participate they need to trust themselves to take on whatever challenges presented to them on the farm or within the field of agriculture. She acknowledged it can be daunting going into meetings with only men at the table, 
However, she says with more women stepping up, there's no limit to the possibilities women in agriculture can achieve. McCain Foods says it will spend $600 million to double the size of its potato processing facility in southern Alberta. The Toronto-based food manufacturing company says the project at its Coaldale facility near Lethbridge will be the largest investment in the company's history. It says the project will create two new production lines and create 260 new jobs, more than doubling the facility's current workforce. McCain says the expansion will also include wind turbines and solar panels to provide 100% renewable electricity to the facility. The company will also use renewable biogas generated at the site's wastewater treatment facility to offset natural gas demand. McCain says construction on the expansion will begin later this year. A biologist and wild horse researcher says he was shocked to learn that 17 wild horses have been shot and killed in a rural area about 65 kilometers west of Kamloops. Wayne McCrory says wild horses are an important part of Canadian heritage, First Nation culture and the ecosystem and is calling for stronger federal and provincial protections for the animals. The carcasses of the horses were found last Friday but RCMP's only livestock investigator in B.C. says he believes they had likely been there for about two weeks. Corporal Corey Lapine says he is not yet sure what charges the person responsible would face if caught, but animal cruelty would likely be the main allegation. B.C. officials say eight skunks found dead in Metro Vancouver late last month tested positive for the same strain of avian flu that's killed millions of domestic poultry since last April. The Ministry of Agriculture says the skunks were taken to BC's Animal Health Centre after they were found in Vancouver and Richmond due to concerns the animals could have been deliberately poisoned. It says the skunks may have contracted H5N1 by scavenging on infected wild birds. The ministry adds that while avian flu in skunks is considered to be a low risk to human health, anyone finding a dead skunk in Richmond or Vancouver should leave the carcass where it is and contact the BC Wildlife Health Program. And that's today's Ag Review. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly sunny and minus 13 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. About 20 questions were asked by Reeves and councillors yesterday during the Cabinet Bear Pit session at the SARM Annual Convention in Saskatoon. Two of the topics were wildlife damage on farm to on-farm hay, as well as farmers in some northwestern RMs paying more tax as the gap narrows between the percentage paid by the agriculture and oil sectors. Coming up, we will run the questions and answers with a bit of editing for clarity and time issues. In this segment, we will hear a question from Larry Grant, the Reeve for the RM of Valmarie in the Southwest. There will be a response first from Environment Minister Dana Skoropad, and then from Premier Scott Moe. The western side of the province has been in drought for a long time and we haven't grown feed. One thing that has grown is the deer and the elk population. They're decimating feed stacks. In my area, hay, if you can get it, is $200 a bale delivered 
the deer are moving in and taking their share first and what's left to urinate on and defecate on and uh, destroy it. We need action now to reduce these populations of elk and deer. And if the minister and his department can't come up with an action plan immediately to address the issue, is the premier prepared to step in and put people in place that will do it? We don't need to study this situation any longer. It's in dire straits because the livestock industry has dealt with the drought and now feed shortages. And we're not going to have a livestock industry if something isn't done. It's incredibly important. And, and you know, it, it's really touching, uh, touching the bulk of the province, uh, whether it be the species you're looking at. Uh, is it mule deer? Is it uh, whitetail? Is it elk? I look at my own area. I'm, I'm from just south of Chamberlain. Uh, certainly the white-tailed deer um, have congregated. They've herded up, causing significant damage. And that was pointed out yet, uh, yesterday, actually, in the dialogue, is that it isn't just a winter thing. It certainly is occurring throughout the year, with the, the gentleman referencing, you know, seeding 200 acres of peas and really having to put a claim in for 40 acres. So I definitely hear what your concern is. What we attempt to do is manage wildlife populations in the province through hunting. We gather the information. It's a, we try and put some science to a, something that's very difficult to put science to, uh, gathering population numbers. But as to your point, uh, this is certainly an immediate, immediate concern for, for many folks, you know, trying to keep their, their livestock fed. Uh, and then you have a herd of 200 elk come in and, and do incredible damage. So. So yes, we, we certainly encourage people to work through their conservation officers and, and there's some solutions that, that they certainly can provide. But at the end of the day, we're right now in the process of setting our allocations for hunting based on our numbers. And quite frankly, in some areas of the province, specifically to your point, uh, we're going to be looking at um, offering more tags. More tags to address, uh, address the population uh, concerns. And we'll continue to work with, you know, through our various advisories, uh, Wildlife Advisory Committee being uh, certainly an important one. And SARM sits on that, so we'll continue to work on that. I, I would say as well, I think the question, and I, I think there's some discussion about this yesterday, is around access to something like depredation tags, uh, ultimately to, to split up some of these herds. And we, we have this uh, up in our area as well. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to many guys that have way too many elk in their, their haystack when they go to town. So. In addition to all of the science-based uh, efforts and initiatives that uh, the Ministry of Environment does, uh, I'm going to ask Dana to, your, to answer your question. I'm going to ask our Minister of Environment to engage with, the, with Ray uh, and his team on the potential of some depredation tags being made available to SARM uh, to then ultimately be uh, metered out to you know, where they're needed in the province. Um, whether you know, they will have some conversations on whether they're elk or whether they're, they're mule deer or what those are, um, and have some conversations to ensure that you're not in a situation where something's just shot and left to rot. Uh, we ultimately want it uh, to be utilized in some way, shape, or form. But uh, uh, Dana, you can have a conversation with SARM on moving forward with um, you know, a pilot program, if nothing else, on uh, administering some depredation tags to SARM so that they can administer them to hot spots in the area that do move around from year to year. That was a segment from yesterday's Cabinet Bear Pit session at the SARM convention in Saskatoon. I'll have more from that session coming up in a few minutes, but first it's time for the Livestock Market Conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock 
in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 162.35. That's up 80. June live cattle trading at 156.87, up 30. April feeder cattle trading at 195.15, up 190. May feeder cattle trading at 227, up 147. April lean hogs closed at 79.45, down 430. May lean hogs closed at 87.97, down 335. And that's the livestock market conditions. Commodities update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. May canola closed at 755.80, up $4.80. July canola closed at 752.10, up $4.50. May Minneapolis wheat is still trading at 846 and three quarters, down five and three quarters of a cent. May Kansas City wheat trading at 819 and three quarters, unchanged. May Chicago wheat closed at 699 per bushel, down three and three quarters of a cent. May corn closed at 632 and three quarters, up six and a quarter cents. May soybeans closed at 1491 and a half, up two and a quarter cents. May oats closed at 346 and a half, down one cent. And that's the commodities update. Another question at yesterday's SARM bear pit session dealt with the tax load between the agriculture and the oil sectors in about 20 rural municipalities, mostly in northwestern Saskatchewan. The question comes from Jerry Ritz, the Reeve for the RM of Mervyn, and the reply was from Don McMorris, the Minister of Government Relations. Again, this response has been edited for clarity and time. Now you've come down with a policy that says we can no longer charge a nine times the base rate, we have to drop to seven on that same oil and gas sector, which will cost us again about that $16 million. Now, heavy oil is not a zero-sum game. It takes a lot more road maintenance. It takes a lot more fire and police safety. When we pushed back to your departments and to your office, Mr. Premier, we were told we're going to have to raise those taxes on our ag sector, farmers and ranchers. You already know what kind of duress that they're facing. And I'm wondering how you can rationalize and make it reasonable that my farmers and ranchers should be putting up the subsidies and bonuses for these oil patch executives. You referenced the 9 to 1 ratio. What you are referencing there is the mill rate factor. What can happen is we're throwing around two terms, the mill rate factor and the effective tax rate. And those are two different things. When you talk about 9 to 1, that is the mill rate factor. And I'm sure most everybody in this room knows that. When we talk about 7 to 1, we're talking about the effective tax rate. And the effective tax rate is not only the mill rate, but it's the base tax, it's a minimum tax, all those other taxes that are factored in. And when you factor all those taxes in, the rate was nowhere close to 9 to 1. In fact, there are municipalities that would be at 20 to 1. Uh, in other words, uh, oil and gas would be paying 20 times what either ag or residential were paying. That is a huge discrepancy. 
We understand, and it was made very, very clear, and I couldn't agree more with the RMs in the Northwest that hauling heavy oil, extracting heavy oil, comes with much greater cost on the infrastructure. I understand that the impact is great to those municipalities. It's about 5% of the total municipalities in the province that are being affected by this. We understand that, and that's why we have changed. Uh, it comes into effect in the 23-24 fiscal year, but we've been very clear with the municipalities that it can be phased in. We're not going to punish any municipality that are at 18 to 1 to get down to 7 to 1 in the first year. That is unrealistic. They're going to need to work with the companies that are damaging the roads in, that, in their area, whether it's a road maintenance agreement or special levies, uh, look at their expenses. There are a number of things that municipalities have at their hands to try and move to seven to one. If it's going to take one year, two years, three years, and I guess in one of the uh, sessions I said even four years, we want municipalities to come forward and work with the ministry to get the effective tax rate down to a seven to one because we know uh, you, you may say, and I heard it yesterday, well, you're catering to the oil companies. Well, we made this change, and the oil companies aren't happy with us because they lobbied hard to have it two to one. So this isn't to cater to the companies, but it's to have a fair and ex equitable tax rate that will continue to attract investment. That was part of the Cabinet Bear Pit session yesterday at the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities Convention in Saskatoon. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after these messages. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Sylvain Charlebois says the federal government needs to use a carrot to encourage farmers into the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. The Dalhousie University professor and director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab in Halifax was a guest presenter at the SARM Annual Convention Tuesday in Saskatoon. Charlebois says reducing fertilizer use will impact grain production. Well, the, there's a difference between knowing and caring. City dwellers have no idea what's at stake here. You impose a mandate, you compromise global food security. You saw what happened when Ukraine was invaded last year. Commodity prices went up, there was uncertainty all over the world. Well, I think someone in Ottawa has to really care. I think they know what's going on. They just, I don't think they, they, they see it as, as a priority. They can figure out, well, the grocery store will give me my loaf of bread, not the farmer that I'm going to be imposing a May date on. He goes on to say, How do we actually use the carrot approach in policy to reward what's happening in Saskatchewan? You know, farmers are doing a lot for the planet. They're the best environmental stewards in the world. We have to recognize the work and the practice. It's incredible. You saw FCC's report yesterday on farmland values. Farmland values in Saskatchewan up 14%. It's not a coincidence. The world needs what Saskatchewan is doing. Okay, so I think it's good news for rural municipalities. I think it's good for regions to see this wealth creation coming from soils coming from the ground because it means that farmers are doing their jobs and there's value actually being produced out of farmland and that needs to continue and you can't penalize farmers with fertilizer targets but you should reward them with things that they are doing to help the planet. 
Charlebois spoke about the rising price of beef and whether he thinks it will mean a higher percentage of the profit going to the producer. I, I hate to say this, but you look at futures right now, you can tell beef prices are going to skyrocket again retail. What's going to be left for farmers? Probably the same. A little bit more maybe. That's about it. So the portion that ranchers, that farmers are going to get is likely going to drop even more. Uh, this morning I was meeting with some folks here to look at some of the data. Compelling data to show to the public what is actually going on at the grocery store. How big of a pie is it and what's the piece for farmers, what's the piece for processors, what's the piece for retailers. Charlebois says the one possible solution is not an easy one. It's difficult to establish additional processing plants or abattoirs. He says that is one area where the federal government should get involved. Sylvain Charlebois spoke Tuesday at the SARM convention in Saskatoon. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny, winds northwest at 15 to 30, and a high of minus 10. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 19. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud, winds north-northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 11, a low of minus 22. For Saturday, sunny, winds southwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 6. For Sunday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 4, and Monday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 5. In the Paw, it's minus 16 degrees, Swan River and Dauphin minus 12, Brandon minus 11, Show Lake Russell minus 13, Roblin minus 14. Regina is at minus 9, Saskatoon, Broadview, Mooseman minus 12, Hudson Bay minus 13, Indian Head minus 10, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington minus 15. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a west-northwest wind at 24 kilometers an hour, 71% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 13 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 22 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.